Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Slow City Living Podcast, my very first episode. I can't believe this passion project is finally coming to fruition, and I'm beyond excited to share with you the story of my first ever guest on this show. Hattie Kolb is a born and raised New Yorker whose main pursuit is content creation on social media. She has thousands of followers across Instagram and TikTok where she posts DIY and home redecorating content. Hattie lives in a pre-war apartment on the Upper West Side which she has completely renovated after her parents retired, turning it into a space where she truly feels at home. Hattie is also a teacher, something many of her fans and followers might not know. In this episode, I speak to her about how she finds balance, how she defines burnout, what she thinks of New York's infamous hustle culture, and what her dreams and goals are. I conducted this podcast interview in Hattie's home, which has as positive and warm of a vibe as Hattie radiates herself. I can't wait to share her story with all of you. As for me, I learned so much about staying true to yourself and finding calm as a working woman from Hattie. As a side note though, I did realize that I need a lot more practice than I currently have with balancing the levels of audio in my podcast and making sure that noises like this don't happen (laughs) as comedic as it might sound now i do have much room for growth so i hope you can bear with me as i learn the ropes of this process and hopefully improve and provide you clear more insightful audio with every episode without further ado here's hattie kolb herself my name is hattie kolb and I am born and raised in New York City. I currently work as a special ed teacher um, part-time, and then I do full-time content creation, influencing, I guess you could call it as well. I live in my childhood apartment, so when my parents retired, they moved out of the city. I was left with basically a completely empty, pretty big apartment, so I fell in love with doing renovations and design And eventually my friends convinced me to start an Instagram account to kind of showcase my process. So I did. And then the pandemic of 2020 hit and it was like the perfect time to be in the home decor space on social media because suddenly everybody was at home all the time. So I think that's when my account really started to pick up speed. And once I started getting offers for paid partnerships, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can actually do this for work and I kind of blossomed into more than just home content. It's also a way I share like my New York City lifestyle and all the things I love about New York. So it's really cool because I get to just literally do what I love and share that with people. And how do you balance that with being a teacher? Could you share a little more about that? It's so I this is going to be my last year teaching um, because it is a lot I ended up in teaching just by default because I didn't know what I wanted to do after college. And I always knew it wasn't my passion. So it's something that I I like doing enough, but I do feel like it takes away from my energy. And now that I have found my passion, I know what that feels like. It's a hard balance because I feel like I'm taking away from the things I really want to be doing. But for the time being, I am trying to enjoy the balance and I guess having a career that I I don't have to be working 
so hard for every penny that I earn, whereas teaching is more just like, yeah, you, you have a job, so you're going to get paid. Um, influencing is very different. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to enjoy what time I have left with that. Makes complete sense. Um, you mentioned that you're a native New Yorker. So how was it growing up in such a you know chaotic environment, so full of energy? Did you ever get burned out throughout your life? It's funny that you say chaotic, and I, I mean, I, I totally get that but I think for me it's just all I know um obviously I've you know I've traveled to other places so I do know that New York is a special place especially in terms of the energy that it provides but I can't say for me it's ever felt chaotic because it it just it is what it is um in terms of getting burnt out I think I've definitely experienced that um throughout my life I think especially as a kid, the hardest thing about growing up in New York was not having the freedom to just like run out into your backyard and play, go play with the neighborhood kids because you can't do that here. Like you really can't go out without your parents. Um, But once I was old enough to go out on my own, that dissipated and I really enjoy the freedom that New York gives me, I guess now as an adult. So New York is known for its hustle culture. Everybody comes here to work, to make money, get ahead in life. What do you think of that in general? Um, Do you think that tying self-worth to work is worth it or is it just a toxic trap in the end? I think it totally depends on the person. I also think that this like work to live thing is such an American point of view. And I know that in other cultures, it's just the exact opposite of that. Like you live your life and yeah, you work, you make money, but it's not so centered around that. And I I definitely can see that a lot of people are like that here in New York. Uh, that's not my vibe at all. But I, I have friends who are very career driven and I guess people that I'm not really friends with, but just that I know of. Um, there are people who work a lot here and I guess come to New York to build these careers and really get caught up in them um yeah I do think it's toxic but I I think it is individualistic as well I think that there's you know some people who can handle it better than others and maybe not have it be so toxic to them if that makes sense it's definitely what you make of it right everybody's experience as you said is super unique individual and it's to each their own. Um, describe your ideal work day and then your more realistic work day. Either you can talk about your teaching or the work that you do as an influencer from home. So an ideal work day, I guess, would not be the teaching thing. Um, it would be getting up. I, I'm not a morning person, but I want to be one so badly. I think the older I get, the easier it gets um especially now that it's spring it's like it's nice out so I want to be up but in the winter it's definitely hard um but an ideal day would be getting up early doing like a sunrise park walk in Central Park just starting the day slowly and it the city is so nice before anybody else gets up it's the best so really enjoying that then coming home hanging out with my cats, um, making maybe like a matcha latte, maybe taking it to my roof, drinking it on the roof, um, making some breakfast, and then slowly easing into my work day. So it looks a little bit different every day, but usually it's 
responding to emails, reaching out to brands, chatting with my manager. Um, if I have content to shoot, it could be doing that. And then there's just a lot of other computer work um, behind the scenes, putting you know link pages together, working on my website. Um, and then I guess wrapping it up with a glass of wine, maybe seeing a friend later in the day. I also... I, sometimes I, I'll do a little bit of work during the day and then I'll go out and then I'll I'll do pick up work again at night because like I said, I'm a night person. So I guess just ideally would be having flexibility to pick up work whenever I feel like working. Um, realistic work day for me right now is I go to a school where I work in the morning. I see um, I have five different kids that I see. So I'll do a session with one of them. And then I usually go to another school that's downtown. So I'm running around a lot. And then I'll maybe come home back for lunch. Um, Then I'll do some of my like influencing work emails. Then I go out again to tutor another kid and then I get home pretty late. So it's a lot of, I guess, hustle and bustle. So besides giving redecorating tips, DIY tips for apartments in general um, on your Instagram page, you also give suggestions for ideal New York City days or itineraries. So what's your process behind picking the best suggestions to give to your followers? That's a good question. I feel like I don't really have much of a process aside from just listening to what people want. Um, I... I'll notice I'll get a lot of messages from people asking me similar things, usually like what are your favorite Central Park spots or what are your favorite restaurants or coffee shops or bars or what would you do for a date night, things like that. So I try to shape most of my recommendations around things that people ask me about a lot. But then a lot of them are just things that I really enjoy as somebody who has lived here their whole life and things that I don't see anyone else recommending they're not like the trendy things that um you know you see on like every single blog every single website so I guess I I just really try to share like little bits and pieces that make New York special to me thank you for sharing that glimpse of your process um and now on to more specifically like cultivating a slower lifestyle in New York City since that's my hope with this podcast to make that a central theme. What do you incorporate in your daily routine to stay grounded and what does staying grounded mean to you? Staying grounded I can definitely be hard here because as you said it's just such an energetic place and there's always somewhere to go, everyone's always in a rush. Especially when you're like commuting, taking the subway, sometimes you're just like, ugh, it's so overwhelming. So staying grounded can be challenging. I think, like I said before, like getting up early and doing a park walk and intentionally waking up before most people are up and really getting to enjoy the peace and quiet and the nature in the middle of the city is so important to me. I'm very lucky to live on the Upper West Side, so I'm sandwiched in between two really big parks. And I personally don't think I could live in New York unless I was within like five minutes of a park. So I think for me, that's a big one. Just getting to embrace any little bit of nature that we can here. And then just for at home, um, just intentionally carving time out 
to make a cup of tea and just sit down and relax, watch a show, read a book, whatever it is, just to get your mind off of the craziness that is life in the city. And you touched a little bit upon the idea of like the house being or the home being a central part of staying grounded. Um, In addition to, of course, going out and finding these pockets of nature in a busy city such as New York. So in a general sense, what do you think is the meaning of home in staying grounded, in cultivating a slower lifestyle? Hmm. I think home, you know, is, is a feeling. It should just be a place where you can come to feel alone. If the, I guess that if that's what you want to feel, I definitely do. I think I'm somewhat of an introvert and I love being alone. So even if I'm not home alone, just feeling like I have my space, I think is really important for me. So you mentioned a little bit about your favorite spots in the city where you find peace, such as, you know, Central Park, which is practically like right outside your front steps. What other places do you go to to escape in a way when life gets overwhelming? My roof is a great place to go. Obviously, I can't do that in the winter. Um, Museums. I love museums. I avoid them like the plague on the weekends or maybe even in the summer because they can get so touristy and crowded. But a museum on like a Monday morning is the best. So I often find myself, if I'm having like a bad week, I will definitely play hooky and try to go to a museum or literally just even go on my lunch break um, if I can. So museums, libraries too. I love a good library or a cute little bookshop. And when weather permits, something I really love about New York is there's just gardens, like unexpected little gardens, like down side streets. So that's another place I like to go. And sometimes just like wandering the streets. I know that sounds like it wouldn't be, but just kind of aimlessly walking around <laughs> that's my favorite it, it really helps it's like walking therapy in a way the repetitive movements of your steps and either like listening to music or a podcast or just you know listening to the sounds of the city I think yeah. personally it always helps me as a working woman would you say you have found a balance between doing what makes you happy and earning money um, is that the balance you were intentionally seeking when finding the right job for you yes I think I have. Um, Like I said, right now I get to do what I love for work. And just the fact that I can make money doing that is still blows my mind and feels so cool. So I think I have something I kind of worried about. And that's really why I stuck with the teaching for one more year this year was because I was a little bit worried about having my passion being my only source of income. Because what if I put too much pressure on it and then it makes it less enjoyable because it becomes more about the money. So I think that's something that I'm approaching with caution because I think that's, I guess, also where burnout can come into play when you're just relying on something for money. It sometimes can really take the joy out of it. 
Absolutely. To focus more on the topic of burnout, as you mentioned that, you know, growing up in New York, burnout has been less of an issue for you since you've learned to adapt from a young age. But what are the symptoms of burnout that you notice in yourself um, and immediately try to correct with self-care strategies, with the grounding strategies that we talked about earlier? I think symptoms of burnout would be just something that used to bring you joy that doesn't and it might even pain you to have to do it so I guess it's hard especially if it's your work you know you can't just not work unless you know you have a lot of money um yeah you can't just get work because you'll you'll be fired from your job and so not really an option so oh that's a tough one I think for me what helped me in the past with teaching jobs that I would get burnt out from was making sure that I had friends at work, people who were probably in the same boat as me and that we could vent to each other. That helped. And then I think um, diversifying my income helped too. So just, again, maybe getting like a side gig or just something so that it's you're not like fully relying on it. Yeah, getting a hobby, I guess. Something to look forward to after work, whether that's going out for happy hour with your coworkers or like actually going to to do something, whether whatever your hobby may be, painting or joining like a bowling squad or whatever. I think, yeah, just having like something outside of work to do and distract that you're like working on. I think maybe like a new skill. All very great strategies, super helpful. So you said you're, you know, not retiring, but like leaving your teaching job soon. But what has the experience of working with kids been like? Because, you know, kids are very energetic. Kids can definitely infringe on your personal space. And for someone who, you know, loves her personal space, has that ever clashed with with your job and the tasks and roles in your job? Hmm. That's interesting. I've never thought about that. Yeah, working with kids is definitely exhausting. Um, and like I said, I, I knew I was done with it when I felt like it was taking energy from me instead of giving me energy. Um, I don't know if that's t- children aren't to blame or just like school in general and teaching in general. But yeah, kids can be exhausting and my first few years my first like two years teaching I just got sick all the time because you're exposed to all these new germs um once I built up like a tolerance I was better yeah I think I've just reached my my limit there (laughs) it's always great when you understand that you have reached your limit because some people don't see that and then they go beyond that and burnout happens very often Um, shifting gears a little, who is your inspiration in life and in the space or the content creation space you are in currently? I think it's less of a a who for me and more of a why or a what. Um, I can't say that there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of other content creators out there who make beautiful things, but I think for me, it's that I do feel so passionately about it. So I want to share those passions with the world. I'm very passionate about preserving old homes and traditional design. And that kind of bleeds into my love of New York and why I I love it because there is so much history here. 
and there's all these beautiful old buildings and it just pains me to see these new huge skyscrapers that have just completely changed the skyline of the city. So I think I'm very motivated by just sharing what I love about the things that I love. As a native New Yorker and someone who has clearly made such a welcoming and you know beautiful space for herself here, have you ever thought about potentially relocating anywhere in the future or do you basically see yourself living here indefinitely? I, New York is home for sure. I think when you grow up here, it's hard to go anywhere else because New York is so amazing. So I I went to college in LA. So I I did that for a little while. So I do feel like any itch that I had to get out of New York was scratched um, when I was a bit younger. I I love traveling. I love going places. And yeah, at times the city can get a bit stifling, you know, even with my park walks. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to get out of here. So I would love a house upstate to go to on the weekends, maybe, you know, stay there longer sometimes. But no, I think New York is always going to be home for me. I really can't imagine living elsewhere. It's a city that truly has it all. And if you can strike a good balance in all your aspects of life, then you can't really go wrong here. On the note of traveling, what is your favorite place that you've ever been to? And as a kind of additional question to that, what's a place where you felt most balanced and at peace? Oh my gosh. <laughs> favorite place? Um, A few. And I, I feel like I have different reasons for them. Usually, I, I think my favorite places are just my favorites for like sentimental reasons. So one of mine is this place that um, I grew up going to in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. So it's a family place and it's beautiful and tiny little town with a population of like 200 people Um way off on the back roads um, my parents were married there and my mom grew up going there and her grandparents went there like back in the 30s so it has a lot of family and sentimental value to me and I I definitely would say I feel very grounded when I'm there um, there's a lot of hiking and there's just these rocking chairs where you can sit on a porch and just like read a book play a game so polar opposite in every way of New York City so I would say that's probably my favorite place. It's not like a cool travel destination, but it just has a lot of meaning to me and is just a total escape from the city life that I'm used to. Most often off the beaten path places are the best to find your peace, especially in contrast to the bustling city that is New York. Um, and then to, to wrap things up, my final question for you is, uh, what's your short-term and then long-term goal in terms of your career or your home life, anything that it might be and that you're willing to share with us? Okay, so short-term would be, I guess, just continuing kind of what I'm doing, um, sharing all my favorite parts of New York City and continuing to share my home and hopefully growing my audience. And I, what I like about it is... and. The difference with teaching was I felt like there was really no upward mobility. It was kind of just like, okay, well, you're a teacher and this is how much money you're going to be making kind of for the rest of your career. But with this, there's, I feel like the options are endless. 
um, as long as, you know, I'm still feeling motivated to do it. So short-term goals, just keep doing what I'm doing. And long-term, I really want that country house, like I said. I really want that country house. And I guess a dream of mine would be to acquire several country houses and kind of create, like, boutique hotels or Airbnbs and kind of – I know nothing about hospitality, but – like renovating old farmhouses and preserving them and making these like historic inns where people can can stay maybe up in the Catskills of Hudson Valley that would be my not sure if it'll happen but like if money were no issue that's definitely what I would want to do well thank you so much Hattie and it's been wonderful hearing from you I hope it all works out for the best for you you continue doing what you love here and Hopefully that country house is a goal that does come true. Thank you so much. Thank you.